to the Kentucky Resilience Podcast. Um, this is Miles. And I'm Sam. And today we're going to be talking about something that's it's been on our minds a lot as athletes lately, and particularly in this lab, where we've been in a position where, you know, sports are coming back, but they're so different. So today's podcast is going to be playing about playing without fans. So kind of to start is we need to realize what's going on and that it's normal that we're feeling like, okay, it's great that we're playing, but something's missing. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I think, I think a huge part of normalizing it is also understanding that what I feel and what my teammates feel might be completely different, but everything that we're feeling, regardless of how different those things are, are completely normal. Like no matter which side you're on, if you're pumped about not having fans and having that pressure, or if you think it's going to be a really difficult season because of that, it's all normal. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think something that's really big there is you talk about kind of adapting and how some people are going to be able to kind of seamlessly fit in and some people might struggle a little bit. Mm -hmm, For sure. So uh, things are going to be difficult. And as a high level athlete, you love playing, you love playing in front of the fans and that atmosphere is a huge part of the experience. Um, but it's easy to be negative about this because it's something so different from what we've ever experienced. I mean, before we started recording, Sam, you said something about 50 ideas for a podcast. Say that again. <laughs> if, uh, if a few months ago you asked me to come up with 50 ideas for sports psychology and mental skills podcasts, playing without fans was not in my top 50. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that resonates so much with us because this is never something we thought about. I mean, we pulled a few examples from some athletes and how they've experienced playing without fans. One of them comes from Rory McIlroy, the PGA golfer. And he said, you know, it would be like, it would be just like having an early tee time on the PGA tour. I guess for a few guys, it wouldn't be that much different, but then there's other players like Atlanta Hawks, Trey young, who would say not playing without fans is going to be weird. Honestly, I don't see that happening. I couldn't play. So there's a real contrast between how some athletes are going to be able to adapt to this situation. And we feel like with this podcast, we're going to be able to give you some tools to really help you adapt to this new situation. Yeah, I feel like it's not necessarily tools that athletes don't have. It's, it's more tools they don't know they have because, you know, we all have practices and workouts where no one's watching us. You know, like we're relying on ourselves to get better and our teammates and our coaches to kind of push ourselves, push each other. We don't have fans there. So it's kind of about figuring out what gives you that intensity in practice and being able to deliver that on game day. And that's a really good point, because like you said, when we're at practice, nobody's watching, but we're still competing. So how can we bring that same kind of intensity to a game that means a lot, whether it's a playoff position or a championship? How, how can we bring that same intensity to a game situation? So that kind of leads us into our second part, which is about arousal and what it is and how to manage it. So Sam, when you think about arousal as an athlete, because you are a high level athlete, what do you think of? Um, so for me, arousal is just kind of, 
it manifests itself physically for me. So um, it's kind of about recognizing the difference between being off your game because you might be injured or you're tired, it was a travel day or whatever, and underperforming because you're just not fired up enough to perform. So it's kind of like a little scale from one to 10 or zero to a hundred, whatever it is. I'd say most athletes that I've talked to, um, like teammates, myself, whoever it is, kind of play our best around a seven or an eight. So we're pretty, pretty fired up, but we're not to the point where we're anxious. And that kind of feels like you're focused, you're intense, you're just, you're ready to go. You're feeling loose, but you're focused. Um, but if you're feeling under aroused, that can be moving slowly. Your mind is wandering. Maybe you're looking into the stands, maybe spotted someone cute and you're kind of thinking about that. You're not really concerned about your performance. You're lacking that enthusiasm that kind of drive to play well and you don't have that jump in your step um so that that actually makes me think of one player in particular i know you'll love this because you're a big kentucky basketball guy um i think anyone who watched kentucky basketball can tell you that you know when tyrese maxey was about to tear it up because from the second he steps on that court he has that jump in his step he is bouncing he is buzzing he's just happy to be there and that's a guy who I think could thrive without a crowd because he just seems to have it in him and he can just turn it on when he wants to turn it on. And more often than not, he seems to be able to do that, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. So what I'm hearing you say is it's a lot about finding a balance and kind of finding what works for you because it's one thing going into a game being calm, but it's another thing if that calmness manifests itself as moving slowly and you're not as focused on yeah, the game. Like a, so a lack of intensity, find, you know? Yeah, exactly. So while being anxious before a game can be a good thing, if it's not put in the right place, then it can be detrimental towards your performance. So I think playing at that seven or an eight, like you were talking about, is, is really a great position for an athlete to be in. But also, like you said, it changes from athlete to athlete. Mm -hmm, for sure. So it's about finding that in yourself. And I think um, over the next couple of months as – things are gearing up and, and leagues are getting ready and colleges are getting ready to bring sports back. Use those practices to kind of figure out what that zone is. So when you're thinking about, you know, arousal and being too high or too low, say for example, it's your first game back and you played hockey at a high level. So it's your first game back and you step out onto the ice and there's not a soul in the stands and it's a, it's a downer for you. You're like, how can, how can I play this game? What kind of things are you going to do to get yourself up for this game? I mean, it's easy for you to put yourself in that position because uh, you've been an athlete for so long. And when we're younger and we're athletes, no one's. Oh yeah. That's it's parents only. <laughs> exactly. Um, there are a few things for sure. The first thing that comes to mind is music. Um, I mean, you know, you know me, I love my music. So I'd say that right. like finding that pregame playlist, it might not necessarily be what everyone plays in the room. So you might have to throw on your own pair of headphones or whatever and step out for a second, but find a playlist, find a few songs that'll get you going and kind of keep you there. And, you know, in the middle of the game, if you're, if you're finding yourself fading, I have a tendency to like sing to myself on the bench or like just whatever song it is, just imagine it and try to hear it as vividly as I can. It's kind of weird, but hearing a song that gets you going and like thinking about it brings back that intensity that you feel in warm up when you're just, just getting fired up and just getting into the game. 
So that's kind of a big one for me. Um, when I think, I'm trying to think how to word this. Uh, so when, when you get kind of fired up and you're past that point where you're playing well and you're over aroused, one of the biggest strategies is slowing down your breathing. It slows down your heart rate. And by doing that, your body starts thinking, oh, my heart rate's going down. I must be fine. I'm okay. And that brings down that anxiety level. If you need to fire yourself up, you just do the opposite. You force yourself to breathe faster and it increases your heart rate and it tricks your body into thinking that you're fired up and you're ready to go. And that's kind of the cycle that builds you up between your body and your mind going back and forth telling each other that it's time to go. It's time to play. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, the breathing I think is a big one and we overlook mm -hmm. it, but music, I mean, as an athlete, you're living in locker rooms and buses and planes. So you always have headphones in. So finding that playlist, finding those few songs that can get you up or bring you down if you need it. I think that that's a great tool that we can use going forward, particularly in such an unfamiliar time like we have right now. There's one more that I want to add, and it's using imagery and kind of imagining that we're in a stadium that's loud or an arena or in a rink, whatever it is, imagining that fans are going to be there. And it doesn't have to be um, like we get in and it's the loudest stadium in the world, but just sitting in our locker or on the bench and just taking a couple seconds to imagine what it was like when you were in a stadium where there were a lot of fans and it was a really exciting atmosphere and it was something that you really thrived in. So while it's not going to be that for a while, pretending and creating a really vivid image for yourself is going to be really powerful going forward during this time where we have no fans. Yeah, for sure. And like we talked about earlier, it, like those, the tools that we're talking about now, practice them, like use these practices over the next couple of months and throughout the season to, you know, work on your ability to fire yourself up, adjust your routine, pay attention to what makes your mind wander, finish a drill like you'd finish a shift or a play in the game and work on finding that intensity and motivation internally when you don't have a crowd to fuel you. Use those practices to get yourself together and figure out what you have to do to be as productive as you can this season. I think that's a great point. And something to build on that is, you know, when we go to practice or we go to the gym and we're, we're working out, it's difficult and we expect it to be difficult because there's going to be a great gain from it. And working on our mental game is very similar. So it's not going to be easy to work on some of these skills. It's going to take a lot of practice. And when you think about it, whether you're soccer, hockey, football, baseball, basketball, you spend a lot of hours practicing and the mental game is the same kind of way. So we really need to put the hours in and focus here so that we can perform at our best when we get back on the field, court, ice, whatever it is. So the last section that we want to talk about is kind of going along and it kind of revisits one of the last podcasts that we did, but it's controlling the controllables. So we can't control when the fans are going to be allowed back in stadiums or at any of our competitions, but we can control our work ethic, our attitude and our body language, and we can show up. And when we show up, we can control our attitude for the rest of the game, for the rest of the practice, whatever it is. For sure. I think one more thing to add, one more thing you can control is your arousal level. You can control how you feel and where that emotional, where, where those emotions are, what you're feeling and that level of intensity, you can control that. That is not something 
completely out of your control. That's something that you have full control over. You just have to practice and, and learn to take advantage of that. I think you're spot on. And that was a great addition because that was really the meat of the podcast today is how can we control our arousal? What is it? And how do we find this balance? Because it's not going to be something that we find in a day. It's going to take some time for us to figure out what works best for us. So with that, Sam, is there anything else that you want to add? Uh, not really. Just, just use practices to your advantage. You have a couple of months. If your season's delayed, it, and take advantage of that. It, it, you can see it as a bad thing. You can see all of this as a negative for sure, but see the positive in it. See that you have the ability to take this season to improve as an athlete, to work on your mental game and to set you up for a season after that or a career after that, whatever it may be. These are skills that you can use in sport and in life. So take advantage of the time you have right now. That's a fantastic point. Well, thanks for joining us today, everybody. This was another uh, podcast from the Kentucky Resilience Lab. So stay tuned for some of our future posts. And we really appreciate you turning in, tuning in. <laughs> Turn it in. Let's go. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.